original Aboriginal outlaws. And uh, I want to I want to give all of you an opportunity to introduce yourselves. Sego. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is uh, Dr. Sarah Gumahawi yeah. Rourke <laughs> of the Deer Clan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Victoria. Um, Aboriginal outlaws. Well, Sunday's fiance, <laughs> wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, I'm not. I'm nobody's wife yet, but that's all right. I'm sure it'll happen someday. But uh, I uh, I'm my name's Janelle Bove, and um, I'm with the Wolf Clan family, and I'm also just you know, um, I you know I just kind of feel like titles are just too much for me lately. So I just kind of settle with mother. Um, and the reason why I've been trying to change titles and how I show up and how I introduce myself is because. Um, I just feel like the my title of motherhood is my greatest title, and it's how I represent myself. It's where I've learned the most. That my children have been my educators. My mother was my educator, and so I just feel like we, if you know, if I show up with the integrity that I have as being a mother, and I amplify that in these places, like maybe other women will remember that they're mothers, you know, and we carry our motherhood into our work into a lot of those places. And I just feel like where I'm at with my children and adolescents right now, there's a lot of turbulence and that's designed that way. But it's also been a great transformation for me as a woman to watch your children transition into another part of their life. And it does something to you that I can't, haven't quite been able to explain yet, but it amped my integrity in my motherhood because I've gone through really hard things with my kids and we've gotten through them. And that's the power of family, the power of a mother's love and the power of just, you know, um, us trying to do some of that. I went way past my introduction, so I don't even know. I, I don't, you better cut me off here, pull the plug. But yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, a little bit about that, that I'm really proud to be a mom and I'm just really proud to sit with you ladies and, you know, have the opportunity to lean in with all of you. So I just wanted to say Nyawa Goa for, you know, meeting, meeting, meeting us at the table and, you know, just being the best women we can be today. And that's exactly uh, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then there's me, your favorite pleasure doula. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> always here, always up for adventure. The reason we're here... I went to the doctors and um, to get my IUD out, Marina IUD. I went to two doctors, one local and then one not local. Um, both experiences were odd. They basically said, why do you want to get your IUD, IUD out? I'm like, well, because I want a period back. I feel like it's unnatural not to have a period so since I've had it in going on it's been four and a half years after the second set of twins just because we didn't want to get pregnant again right away and um yeah like I just want it out just so like I can get control of my body back like get back back to a regular moon and um so at the doctors that's what they said they're like why do you want to get it out and I, I told them that, and they're just, like, looked at me baffled. Hmm. Why, like, why do you want to do this? And when I told them that answer, they're just like, okay. And then the second doctor I seen, she, she's female, a person of color, like, clearly not white. She was kind of giving me attitude, too. So she goes back and, like, gets on her computer or whatever. She comes back in, and she's like, just so you know, everybody doesn't get their period on the IUD. I'm like, okay. It was just like they were almost shaming me for wanting my IUD removed. Yeah. So that's why we're here. Just from my personal experience, like this just happened the beginning of this week. And I was talking to Will about it, and he's like, we need to talk about this especially given the whole Roe versus Wade going on right now. And, um, yeah, so that's that's why we're here. Mm. Yeah, for sure, Nat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
it, it's become like so natural for women to just sit back and take the word of somebody because of the schooling they've taken where we completely disconnect with our bodies and you go into a situation where you're saying i want to feel my body again i want to have mm -hmm. that period back i want to have those things back because that's your connection that's who you are yes right and so it, it really isn't anybody's business no. right like all they had to do was okay let's go in and take it out yeah end of story like if there's no issues whatsoever then what's the problem yeah, right and that's i, I feel do. like that's a big thing right now is like we need to reconnect with self so that we can stand our ground when it comes to situations like this where we know we don't get pushed around and we don't get told how our body is supposed to work mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if you already are in tune and you already know and i need that period back i need to feel that yeah you know for myself it, it's it's a really touchy subject huh it, it gets right into our right into our hearts right into our stomachs it messes with our minds our emotions and things like that because we're all women and we're all feeling that same tension that mm -hmm. same pressure I don't know. It's a pretty crazy world that we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. But it's not at the same time because I'm like, hey, we can uh, we can do this, this, and that. And we can have female doctors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, it's um, it's interesting that this topic is coming up right this second because um, I'm actually up for a position where I'm going to possibly, if I take the position, I'll be teaching um, upcoming doctors about cultural sensitivity and how to teach our people and our um, upcoming doctors how to treat our people in a good way so then they're not coming to our people with these stereotypes or these judgments because that's what happens like I've I'm trying in the I'm in the situation where I'm moving to a different women's health care provider because every time I come to him with fibroids and cysts he's saying oh you just need a hysterectomy I'm like I'm 40 years old and you keep telling me I need a hysterectomy and he's done a surgery on me already and he did nothing he opened me up to look for a cyst he said oh the cyst remedied himself two months after I've had this problem and I'm anemic and he's like oh you are um there's nothing wrong I can't take out the fibroids because they're too deep so you just need a hysterectomy and I was like you're trying to take out my entire female reproductive system because you can't fix me and that's your only resolution. And then I went to another doctor and she said, You're, he's crazy. Why is he just telling you that that's what needs to be done? And it's triggering because it, it's rooted back to the times right up into the 90s where they sterilized us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we didn't know, we were blinded by this colonialist system in the medical system, that systemic violence of um, we don't have to make our own choices and we aren't human. So let's just do whatever we want. We can medical test on you. We can sterilize you. We can take your rights away from you. So when this Roe versus Wade came down, it's like a triggering situation. I don't know about you, but I'm having a week from hell. But in, it's a triggering situation for all indigenous women or all indigenous people carrying um, reprodu female reproductive organs. They're not all women. But I I want to make sure that we're all hearing each other because right now it's such a triggering feeling mm -hmm. that Roe versus Wade is coming down because every day we feel that in the doctor's office. Every day we feel that when we're talking to healthcare providers because they don't hear us. They don't hear when we have pain. They don't hear that we're using our traditional medicines. They don't want to try those options. They don't see those things. And they're not taking us seriously when we say, no, I don't want to go that route. I have a doula. I want to keep my placenta X, Y, and Z. There's all of those different areas because we're so holistic in our traditional medicine and we're rooted. And I'm getting goosebumps mm -hmm. because it's... um. It's not, we're not alone in that. And if any woman is listening to this, any identif self-identifying woman, any, any trans woman is listening to this and they're feeling that, it's really just, it's the heaviest thing to have to carry when you're in a doctor's office. And, and I feel like we're all feeling that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. I agree with you. 
I got your goosebumps too. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I do too. Yeah. No, that's uh, good. I, I just wanted to, you know, lean into a little bit about that, Victoria. Um, you know, I, I actually had the same um, experience with having an IUDN. And I think like waking up, this is what's nice, is the questioning on your part. Mm-hmm. So how many times did I not question what the doctor was giving me or how many times did I not take into the account that this was like a little bit deeper than them looking out for my health, right? And then me feeling inadequate because I'm not a medical professional and then make me feel like I don't know my body or mm-hmm. I don't know what's good for it. And I think that um, for me, like wanting to have a period was really important like because for one I thought I was gonna get a mustache if I didn't have a period and then I was like for two I was like you know what I mean like um, there's something wrong here like something's supposed to be released and yes I'm supposed yep. to be intimate with my blood and I'm supposed to be like connecting with it and looking at it and like getting you know a better understanding because I didn't have that growing up nobody sat me down and said this is your period this is what it looks like this is your light flow this you know it was just hurry up and don't get pregnant and get on birth control and give you the shot stick it up you know put it anywhere you know and it's just like after a while I felt like my body was all messed up because I wasn't regular anymore I was just I felt really out of balance And so what I think is great is the fact that you as a woman at this stage in your life and in your relationship and having a partner that is like fully on board with you and your sovereignty and your body is a beautiful thing because we've had enough conversations about the land and the body and women. And we know, right, historically, like our bodies have always been under attack and and just kind of amplifying, I think, two of the things that we've seen on the northern portion of our communities because there's been a huge surge in right neglect in the medical field towards indigenous women like across the continent. So why are they not treating us right with respect? Why are they not treating us at all sometimes or making us wait or judging uh, indigenous women for the conditions that they're coming in with, right? And like profiling us for that. So I think that like all of those things are really um, important. But the main thing is that it's support. And what's great about it is now we know better and we're like, hey, wait a minute. You think you're going to like try to control me with this? Well, let me go back and talk with some women. Let's let's be public about this. Let's let's strengthen the sisterhood around our blood and our bodies, because that's literally our line of defense. Like, I don't have women to educate. I need sisters to educate. I need mothers to educate me. I need someone to talk about their vagina so I can talk about mine. Yes. And then we're like, okay, now we're getting someplace, right? And now we're powerful and we have an understanding. And that's the point is we we really genuinely want women to feel like they're not alone Mm -hmm. in these situations that they always feel bullied or outnumbered or inadequate. And that's what really... I think we're we're biting back on. We're like, no, like we're pretty in tune with ourselves. We have knowledge. We have natural intelligence and brilliance. Like, and I'm learning to trust that. And that's I think that's important because that's actually directly against the institution, right? And so I think and because the medical field is rooted, a majority of it is rooted in that. We're going to be up against that, but we're getting better. And that that's the main thing is we're getting better at getting better. And our girls will ha- now be strengthened and all. And our boys are going to be strengthened in the fact that, you know what I mean? This is a collective thing because I'm sure, you know, it, it must bother your husband to know that, you know, the vessel that's creating his children and the medicine that she's are making together is impacted by their inability to treat you with the dignity and care that you're entitled to. Mm -hmm. Wow. Big time. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So um, thinking about my own personal experience when you were talking about your doctor right away, first thing, hysterectomy. Yeah. You know, and um, we had um, two miscarriages back to back and I had already had four children. I had no issues whatsoever. And that was their first thing right away. Yeah. Right away. they want, And I wasn't even 40 yet. You know, like I think I was like 35 or something like wow. that. And they were, yeah, we're going to give you a full hysterectomy. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, like and like she's saying too, like that's our vessel. And you're just going to take that away from me without even like checking to see if there's something wrong or there's a fluke somewhere or something. You're just going to come right in and just 
yank that right out. Like imagine the grieving process for the women who had no opportunity to stand their ground right? To stand their ground and to voice their concerns and their questions and things like that. And they just were taken, taken advantage of really just taken advantage of and taking that away mm-hmm. from them, you know, like, or just trust their doctor. That actually happened. Um, not to me, but a really, really close family member. Um, my mother, after she birthed me, I was a large baby at like almost 10 pounds. She had me vaginally, but she said because I was such a large baby, this is her words and what the doctors told her. Again, this was 34 years ago that during birthing me, I apparently took all of her uterus or I took something. Boom. They gave her a full hysterectomy. Hmm. And I don't even know if she had the chance to voice her and advocate that she didn't want it because again this was 34 years ago so she's like okay so that's like hysterectomies that's why does it have to be that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and can you imagine the support back then going into pre-early menopause at that age exactly without any kind of mental health support because of the stigma surrounding mental health at that time, 30 plus years ago. Yes. I mean, that wasn't surround. There was none of that. There wasn't any of like after labor, um, depression support. No. Like there's none of that. So can you imagine what our mothers went through after they had children even like those kinds of things, like the stigma and the shame surrounding women and their vaginas is so heavy in in all of our communities not just indigenous communities but uh, for all women that it's just um it's it's probably i don't know statistics i'm not much of a statistics person but the it may be one of the leading causes of, it may be a leading cause of suicide for women because i've seen that on on a lot of social media where there's mothers who have children or there's mothers who have those issues and and they're treated incorrectly and there's no one to talk to so for them to be talked to and not be alone i mean like to remove that stigma and that shame of the white colonial patriarchy of the vagina like why is that there why like for us to like like i'm always telling my daughter not only just for safety but um to call her vagina a vagina you know because that keeps her safe and everybody's always calling it something else and i'm like it's not something else <laughs> let's call it what it is and let her be empowered by using that word everywhere that she goes you know <laughs> like why is that a problem you know yeah. like and i just think it's it's really important for for us to embrace our mothers for what they didn't have at that time yeah. and and wrap them in the love that they didn't have because they didn't, they weren't able to have those choices and, and husbands didn't know or fathers didn't know how to even support them. Like like our men need to stand around us and a lot of us have men who do that, but, but how do we even have those conversations? I think that might be the next conversation after this is like how do we even bring them into that circle to support because that's needed as well you know to like remove the shame and have comfort to support the women Mm -hmm. definitely that's that's a really good point when I think of that for myself personally I always think of like what what would I have needed Mm -hmm. what would I have needed for the comfort what would I have needed for the support and things like that right so like I have an 18 year old daughter now and it's my first 18 year old girl uh I just keep going back to you know, giving that support and that encouragement and that love regardless, no expectations, no nothing, right? And to keep her in her own power, right? This is your body. This is who you are, right? And same thing with the, with the explanation of the body parts and being, being proper in what you're saying, right? Because, because of the, the, the way I see it when we call our private parts, something other than what it is, it's because it makes somebody uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And if you teach them when they're this big that it's a penis, it's a vulva, it's a vagina, it's a clitoris, by the time they're that old, it ain't going to make them uncomfortable because they're going to look at it just like another body part. Mm-hmm. So. I actually have a kind of funny story about vaginas with our, <laughs> our daughters. <laughs> our older... 
our oldest set of twins, they were going to Head Start. So they were three. And we were the same way. We've always referred to the vagina as vagina. So they've always referred to the vagina as a vagina. Nothing. Well, it was vagina because they couldn't <laughs> save me. <laughs> and um, I was actually working at the Head Start while the, the oldest twins were going to Head Start. So I get into work. I was working like 10 to 2 or whatever. Teachers bombarded me and they're like, Victoria, your daughter said her vagina hurts. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'll go grab her. And I brought her to the bathroom. It was nothing. She had been on, a, on antibiotics. So we all know what happens with antibiotics. You get a little bit of a yeast infection. So that's all it was. Everybody was asking me afterwards, how's your daughter? Is she okay? I'm like, yes. And then her teacher actually came up to me and she's like, I have never heard a little girl her age use the the word vagina. She's like, it threw me off. Granted, she was a new teacher. She was, I don't know, in her early 20s. But just, she, she had never heard one of her students call her vagina a vagina. Now imagine if she called it something else. Exactly. Maybe they would have dismissed it. Yeah. And just thought of it like, meh. Yeah. My cookie hurts. Or oh, bug. Or... That's weird. Okay, keep playing. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, to give them the the permission to utilize the actual pronunciation, the actual words for yes. your body parts. Like, that's power in itself. Mm-hmm. Because it makes us not be shamed no. of our own body. That's the first thing. Right away, we think dirty. Right? As soon as you see a kid this big putting their hands in their diaper, first thing you're like, ah, that tea, that's dirty. Does that stay at least, right? Get out of there. Well, you already took that fire out of that kid at two years old because you told them their body is dirty. You know what I mean? So I, I always was like real mindful of that because I remember doing that when my, my oldest was real small and it made me uncomfortable. So I said, Zati, right? But then as I had more kids, I was like, just go do that in your room when you're done, wash your hands. No big deal. <laughs> Let's not make an issue of it, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're all my kids are are very open in a private setting about their bodies because yeah. they have that voice for themselves and that control for themselves, and they can identify when areas are mm-hmm. hurting or issues or anything like that, right? So, and if they can't talk about it, they can't ask you questions about it. They can't feel comfortable having conversations about it, and that's how you get unexpected pregnancies because they're engaging in things that they can't talk to you about and you know what i mean like it just it goes down that rabbit hole of like young teenage kids getting into things like because they're not able to talk about it but they're gonna go do it anyways because that's what happens when you're grown so i think it starts when you're little to be able to do that so i'm i'm I keep trying to have those conversations. She's little, she's tiny, but we mm-hmm. keep using all the words, you know? Like, I mean, I did sex ed for a really long time. So so I used to be the sex ed HIV lady at the school. So like, just to be able to like, have those conversations and just be open and honest about things, about germs and whatever right now. And then when she gets bigger, the harder conversations, like as long as you're honest with them, it'll be safer for them in the long run, you know? Yeah. yeah, and that shame plays a big part. I mm-hmm. think especially if it comes from your own matriarchs, right? If it yeah. comes from your own grandmother, if it comes from your own, you know, your own family, then you you just adopt it. You inherit the shame, you inherit the absence, the void, all of that. And um like I know especially like for my mother too, it was um it was hard for her to get medical attention or help when she needed it with her body because she had experienced um sexual abuse which prevented her from getting checked out, which prevented her from, you know, doing a lot of things to avoid the situation of having to open your legs and have somebody back in your vagina with, you know, not much, right, Um, maybe support or comfortability with that. And then, you know, also then, like, even in her death, you know, I remember, like, same thing. She had cancer in her uterus, and they wanted to take, to do the hysterectomy, and she went in there for the hysterectomy, and she called me from the hospital, and she was a she was a home aide, a nurse's aide for years when she was younger, and she said that the um, 
that the medical staff over there were washing her in cold water. A man was washing her. There was all these things that she knew shouldn't be happening, but she she couldn't say anything. So she was telling me, Get, can you come here? Like, they're, they're being mean to me. Like, they're not treating me right. And I flew up to Kingston, and by the time I got there, she was in a coma for a month. And then it was another, you know, eight-month thing to come home. And, you know, even for myself, you know, being in prison and getting a, a vaginal, right, screening in prison, I was... Um, sexually assaulted by the medical practitioner there who was a female. There was an officer outside, you know, and, 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 and in those situations, there's nothing you can do. That, you know, I mean, and, and those things, you know, you don't go anywhere with and you don't, there's nowhere to go with it. There's nobody to tell. There's nothing that can be done about it. There's, and that's how it feels, right? And you just survive all of that and you come home and so when you hear people make jokes about being people being raped in prison you never think it's the medical staff you don't hear things like that you know and so I think the importance of like you know having that um that adversity and you know talking about it and saying this is real this is what happens it's not funny it does happen and it doesn't feel good and it fucks you up for the rest of your life if you let it Mm-hmm. you know yep and so I just try to like you know um really support a lot of this you know talk around our bodies and this medical field because I think there's a ton of us holding in all these private moments where something didn't feel right it didn't feel good it it wasn't it was just shameful it's more shame to add to the body which for a lot of women the body is the crime scene so we don't we don't connect with our body because it's painful. That's where all the abuse is. That's where the rape is. That's where the, you know, the shame's all at. And so we'll neglect the body as a means to neglect the abuse that happened to it. And that's largely either due to family. It's almost, right, always done by someone that we love and care about, mm -hmm. which adds to the the harm of it, right? And so that's a lot for our, our people to endure, to digest, to cultivate families and relationships in. And so, you know, for a long time, like, you know, any kind of a sexual of violence, abuse that you're experiencing is going to play into the way you lean into your medical health. It's going to play into the way you lean into your husband, to the way you lean in with other women, right? Because it's like, you're just trying to like, figure it out on your own. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the, I think that's what's scary. Yep. And that's where all the, the hardship is. And we want to do our best to like, fix that because we can and there's nothing stopping us from jumping on board and saying nope like we got the courage we got the tenacity we got the the sass the attitude whatever the trauma and the healing right to put it all on the table and say no we're gonna just sort through some of this because i'm sure other women have experienced a multitude of different um <clears throat> neglect and and violence towards them and their bodies and we just we're just gonna say hey hey sis you're not alone in that like i got you like you know and then we can lean into remedies right so like we have remedies for our bodies and i know ali you do a great job at really trying to get women to connect with their sexuality mm -hmm. and their sexual exploration right which i i totally wholeheartedly uh, believe and encourage too because i think there's this like thing about society and sexuality and then there's this thing about wellness and sexuality mm -hmm. and i think that that's a real conversation that plays into this as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. big time yep um when when you when you brushed on um when it comes from the matriarch man that hit home that mm -hmm. hit home that hit the nail right on the head you know like it i've always been this woman who was like well, I'm just me. I'm just one person. What can I do? What can I do? What difference can I make? I'm, nobody's going to listen to me. So I always just held it in. And I just pushed it down, pushed it down, pushed it down. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Because that's what we were taught. Right? It wasn't a big deal. Right? And the things that I went through growing up, I never brought to surface. I didn't even think they were big deals for me until I started to do my healing and then light bulbs are going off and I'm like, you know, like these things happen to me. And my own husband is standing there like, you never told me that. And I'm like, it never occurred to me until now, you know, but to, uh, I lost my track where I was gonna go with that. <laughs> but it was really good, I swear. Um, when we're, oh, it's because it becomes 
it becomes almost natural to just push it down mm -hmm. because we hurt our mothers, we hurt our aunties, we hurt our duras, we hurt all the women in our lives that were older than us talk about it like it wasn't a big deal or mm -hmm. pushing it aside or put it in a closet. We're not going to tell anybody. We're going to leave it alone, brush it under the rug. Let's move on. Right. And so it becomes the norm. It becomes like, that's just how it is. And you got your SOL pretty much, right? And you just move on with life. And then for me personally, I was like, I, I, it stops with me. I'm not putting all of my crap on top of my kids because they don't deserve that and they deserve to have more. So that's when I started to realize like, I am one person, I am one woman, but I have my little crew behind me and they're gonna have spouses and they're gonna have kids and it's gonna become this ripple effect. So what can I embed into these kids, spongy little noggins, so that it can grow and grow and grow from there, right? And I, I mean, like you got it, you got it right there when you said it come, when you start hearing that right from your matriarch, like, what do you do? Because they're the all. Yep. You look up to them when you're so small and you're like, she knows everything. She's <laughs> so smart, you know, but she's been through her stuff. Just like you said, we have to embrace them for what they were lacking and for the things, the traumas that they dealt with. Right. Like, oh, OK. <laughs> well, it's so true with the matriarch. We our family, we 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 have family meetings and sit downs with our children and um. I've had to assist our children with their monthly periods, proper hygienic ways to do it and dispose of sanitary napkins, um, keep a proper hygienic body. And I realized in me teaching our children, I was never taught. It was just like, when I got my period, I was like 11, I went to my older sister. I never went to my mother because it was like, oh, my God, I'm bleeding. Sister, what do I do? And she, like, got me a, a, a pad and showed me how to put it on my underwears, and that was it. And then it was like, she's like, what do you have to tell your dad? Basically, like, I'm a woman, mm -hmm. and I, I remember this little 11 year old me I'm like laying in bed and I couldn't because it was almost like I was shamed because I became a young woman mm -hmm. but I was 11 mm -hmm. like I'm a child that got her period and like to tell my dad that I got my period just felt weird I mean I love my dad I love my father but I don't know, like it just, it was weird. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up telling him and he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, it's, it's nothing. But just the fact of me, like almost being forced into saying it was, I felt shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shame is deeply embedded in us and it's such a, it's such a hard thing to break. Mm -hmm. It's such a hard traumatic uh and everybody's shame is different, right? So it's almost like, well, how do I address your shame if I can't even address my own, yeah. right? Or how can I help you through yours if I don't even know how to help myself through mine, right? Like it always starts with self, right? When we start to give ourselves that that power back and feel that that strength from within and to allow society's shame, BS, and throw it out door because I'm so sick and tired of it because of what I do with my line of work I'm so sick and tired of the taboo like don't you want to have healthy sexual relationships with yourself with your partners like I don't understand that why is it so <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah I think especially like as mothers right like motherhood kicks in <laughs> it's a whole other level of knowledge and perception when you are now responsible for another being's intelligence and awareness and cultivation, and it's a lot. And I think what's beautiful about children is they constantly push us to go beyond what we Definitely. know, what we had. And I think that, you know, what's wonderful about it as like, as all of us as mothers, right, leaning in is like, we know that if we can do this now, we've done the work for our daughters so that 
they don't have to be fresh to this. They can be well-skilled, um, well-informed, intellectual physicians of their own bodies and that they don't necessarily need to be... Um, you know, established by the institution, which I'm sure, you know, there's, there's medical, you know, information out there that's science and helpful and all of that. But we also have our own knowledge and our own remedies and, you know, like things like vaginal steaming or, you know, all the ways in which we show up together. Like, I love that. You know what I mean? I love that. That's us getting creative and saying like, no, this is how I want to feel my body right now. So like me, my thing is like, I always like to highlight the nipples. I don't know, like everybody talks about vaginas. I'm always like, my nipples are real hard for this. And everybody laughs, right? But I'm like, how come nobody talks about the nipples, right? Like, why are we always just talking about, we ain't talking about nipples and what are we talking about, right? <laughs> so I don't know. I like, I love my nipples. Like, I don't know if you love yours, but like, I got a great relationship with mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, why are we not seeing that, right? Like, girlfriend, like those are some nice nipples like good for you you know what i mean like and and just doing that right and it's fun and we giggle and we humanize ourselves and we say hey you know it's it doesn't always have to be bad and shameful and abusive like it can be lighthearted and uncomfortable but in a a friendly funny way right because when you try it when i try to talk about sex with my kids everybody's ears got red face burning up like you know and it was cute but you know, we want them to have healthy sex. Mm -hmm. I want them to have healthy sexual partners where they know how to give consent, where they're knowing how to get engaged and all that. Like, we want that for them. And so we know better than to shame them for that. And I think, like, that's what's powerful. Like, we're totally undoing mm -hmm. the harm mm -hmm. that's been done, which is what we inherited, but we were also... We came at this time to do this. Mm. This is part of our mission as mothers and as women of a community and as women of nations and sister nations and a collective uh, indigeneity because, like, that's exactly what they went after. That's exactly what was exempt from everything was women's rights, women's power, women's authority, all of that. And now we're springing back up, like, um, no, like we woke up and that's not how it's going to play out anymore. And we got each other now, so we don't need you. And that's the thing. As long as they think that we don't have each other, then they can tell us all about ourselves because we won't know any better. Yeah. So like, we're not supposed to be having these conversations and making a podcast out of it and spreading the word. They just want us to continue to feel like we don't know any better. Yep. And then I can tell you what to do. Yep. There's something wrong with your body. Right. Listen to what I have to say. Right. Yep, exactly. Totally. I was always thinking that um if if he, if he can if he can continue to tell you the things that is wrong, that is dirty, that is harmful of your body, then he can always keep control over you. Yeah. You know? And I feel like that's what's happening right now with this whole traumatic week that we've been all dealing with it and it's it's like I can't even have a conversation with my husband without ever bringing that up. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but... And he's like, okay, let's go. Let's hear it. <laughs> what now? <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's, it's, that's exactly where we're at. We've become so disconnected with ourselves and disconnected with each other as a group because they know how powerful we are. They know how powerful we can be when we get together. Yep. Mm -hmm. That we will not stand for shit like, no, you're going to tell me what I'm supposed to do with this? Mm-mm. Why don't you focus on what you got? Let me focus on what I got, right? Everything you look at, it's all, uh, you know, if a man has ED, you can go and find all kinds of pills to fix that. <laughs> but if a woman's got low libido, there's something wrong with you, and we got nothing to do. We can maybe give you surgery. Because that's always their first thing. Or let's put you on open. birth control. Let's cut her open. Let's yeah. cut her open. Let's cut her open. Let's control your hormones. Yeah. Yes. That's the problem. Every time, right? And then, uh, you know, like their, their go-to every time, hysterectomy, partial hysterectomy, full hysterectomy. Why? Why can't we just look at what's going on? Because they don't want to give us that power. They know once that collective comes together, uh-oh, now we're in trouble. You know, I don't know. I always say that these rules and these laws are all being made by old perverted women, men that are 
that can't even say the word vagina. Yeah, I felt like, oh, go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> no, it's just real. It's it's like since the beginning of settler colonialism, their plan was to wipe out the power of Haudenosaunee women because we were the stronghold in this land. Like we were, we were equals on this land. We were teaching them how to live here. We were teaching them what they needed to do here. And so they came here and they said, oh no, we need to control this collective power. We need to control their minds. And so let's see what we can do to make sure that they don't have that power anymore. Let's take it back. Let's, let's squash that. So that's what they're doing. And, and you can see it all the way across the board. Like let's take away their rights to their own vaginas and let's make guns more powerful than anything and and mm. like it's just one thing after another like let's pay them less let's like not let them get to the highest um pay wage like it's just it's just every single thing like there's more um women there's less women in every single job in the country in every country like it's it's not just in america it's all across turtle island like the power dynamics everywhere because they saw how powerful we were as Haudenosaunee women and they said oh no that's never going to happen again we saw what that did and we saw how fruitful the, that nation was and we can't let that happen because we know what that what comes of that and and I think our women scare a lot of them because collectively we have the knowledge we are the traditional scientists we know how to pick the medicines we know how to create our own um ways of healing and that knowledge and and our 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 power is so dynamic and and we radiate that outwards into our families and and we heal each other that way and it and it's just so um important to hold on to that and and um as as disheartening as Roe versus Wade is as a sovereign um nation I don't think anything is going to stop our women from mm -hmm. taking care of our, our young women from taking care of our women and their sovereign bodies as we're connected to our people and our land like I just don't think that's ever going to happen and and let them try and stop us from taking care of our women yeah. like it's not going to happen <laughs> What were you going to say? I was going to say, I think there's this like mentality of ownership. Yeah. Right. Because like you'll even find yourself and not, not maybe you have experienced this or not. But like, you know, I, I could say how many guys have said, oh, that pussy's mine. Mm -hmm. Right. That's mine right there. Mm -hmm. I own that. That's mine. I'm the owner. I get to decide what gold, what cut. You know what I mean? And like some, you know, when you don't know, you think that's cute. Right. <laughs> like, oh, OK. You know what I mean? Like, and if, you know, you're looking for someone to like you know take you in or to want to claim you or to say you know like sometimes you don't you don't know what to do with that right and then all of a sudden they're like oh wait that's your mentality showing up right that's you saying you own me you own my sexuality you own my sexual everything and i think like sometimes even with like you know our younger girls you know maybe not knowing you know because it's hard for teenagers to talk to their parents and that's why we have sisters and aunties to step in and have those conversations with them but i think like for the most part what we're up against is this mentality of ownership and property and all of that and i think like you know just seeing how insidious it gets right so if that's our environment and if our young girls are just being spoken like that by male partners that and, and that's all they know then you just follow suit right yeah. but when you have a dad or you have an uncle or you have a big brother leaning in or somebody going like no like that's that's not what happens and no they're not going to treat you like that and if somebody does i'm going to do something about it you know i think is really important because i think a lot of this actually has to do with not the health and well-being of women it has to do with a reflection of the health and well-being of men mm -hmm. and that's why we're in this situation because our men are deficient and inadequate in a lot of their emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and that's what they're going after you're coming after my hormones you're coming after my emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and that's what makes me love my kids and that's what makes me go to work in the community and that's what makes me want to have sex with my partner and that's what makes me you know what i mean want to fight some all of that this whole world is engineered to 
be fueled off of emotion. Mm -hmm. This is why we have it. And so women's emotion has been dehumanized. It's been minimized. It's been eradicated. It's been all of these things. And yet it's the most powerful thing that we have. And we're constantly scrutinized for it. And I really like that women are taking their emotions back, not just their vaginas, but their emotions back too. And like saying like, listen here, I'm going to feel what I need to feel. And I'm going to process this and I'm going to identify it. And I'm going to be accountable to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that feels a lot better and a lot more nurturing and humanistic than us constantly being these materialized, commodified, objectified, you know, pieces of property, you know, and that's the institution. Like you're, you're constantly a property of the state in Mm -hmm. some shape Mm -hmm. or form. And that's the way they like to keep us. Mm -hmm. Right. But we're like, "Mm." look at the institution of marriage. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, right? As far back as it goes, you become his property. Yeah. You take his last name, right? <gasps> my, that was my mistake. <laughs> and then you put on a ring for ownership, right? If somebody yeah. owned you, so yeah. yep. back up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> Great, great, great discussions, ladies. Oh my God, you guys are amazing. I'm so, I was so excited to be in this room with you guys. <laughs> I like when you said earlier about um, coming back and having further discussions, bringing up more topics because they need to be voiced because if there's any women out there that are listening that feels alone, right? I feel like I have all these emotions and all these things happening to me, but we don't talk about it. So they feel like they're alone. Yeah. Same thing with like women who go through miscarriages. Nobody really talks about it. So they feel all alone when they're going through those things happening, right? Or when women have, you know, abortions, they don't talk about it because it's completely stigmatized. Well, we should talk about it because we are a force to be reckoned with when we get together. And we need that support among each other for those situations. All the things, the victories, the traumas, everything, right? And we should be celebrating all of the life's moments, you know. And I think one other thing that I keep thinking about is like, um, not everybody has an auntie or a sister, but I feel like there should be someone to go and advocate for these young women when they're in the doctor's office or who are ha, can help them speak up when they have those questions because not everybody knows what to say when they're going to their, their pap smear or their gynecological yep. appointment and they're sitting in there and they're like, do you have any questions? And they're like, I don't know what you just did to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like there's those people who are just speechless in that room and they really don't know what to ask or why or like even having like one-on-one classes before they go to that appointment so that they can understand what's happening and what, like how to move forward because no Nobody wants to like choose a birth control without really understanding and I know there's a couple of really amazing doulas in community who have the information and pamphlets and those things that they could give to young women before they go to those appointments and to ensure that there's there's a proper education so that they're not in a doctor's office just feeling that fear and that that um that um it, it feels like a, you're you're getting assaulted instead of just going to an appointment so right. I think yeah. I think I think that is really important to have somebody to go with you or someone to talk to prior to that kind of a thing and then calling out healthcare providers who are putting you in violent situations are not listening to you I mean if we're all having these kinds of situations and we're not speaking up who do we talk to about that and oh, how can we make a difference like what kind of action can come from this I mean, if there are other women outside of this room who've been told you need a hysterectomy or no, I don't want to take your IUD out, like that in itself is a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. What is going on in our local clinics that is not working for our people and why are they being judged? Why are they not giving this, getting the services that they need and what can we do from that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, I wish what you just said happened like before I got my own IUD because I chose it thinking oh my god it's going to be so great to not have a period and then fast forward to four years four and a half years later and then now I have a hemorrhagic cyst just because I'm not able to expel Mm -hmm. I'm not having my regular period Mm -hmm. so it's I'm blocked and 
what this hemorrhagic cyst is, it, the doctor explained, it's the egg coming and because it has nowhere to go, meaning through a period, it, it formed into a cyst. And I knew I had it because I'm sure every woman, every person, well, I do, like I feel I my do. body, I feel my, my uterus, like because we are the ones that know our bodies the best. Yep. So you have to explore it. You have to feel your body to get in tune. So I'm like, oh my God, that's... At first I thought I was pregnant <laughs> because when we were pregnant with the twins, I felt their, uh, I don't know, zygotes, blastocysts. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to biology, but I felt them mm-hmm. on both sides. And um, I'm like, this does not feel like it was big. It was really super hard. So then through the ultrasound, it was ex- um, discovered. That all came because I got on a birth control. I didn't know anything about. I didn't research. I just like kind of fell in love at first with the fact of no period. Mm-hmm. Not realizing what was going to happen. And now like I feel like it's, I have low libido. My hormones are all out of whack. Like, I just want it out. And at this point in time right now, I still have it. Because during the exam, uh, the doctor said she would have to, she called my cervix a virgin cervix. Just because of, um, I haven't, I've never had a vaginal delivery. I've had two C-sections. And... It was closed, very, very close. So she would have had to put the forceps, force it open, no anesthesia, no pain pills, nothing. And she said, her words, I would have to fish for it. (laughs) So I'm like, "Uh, no, 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 I don't want to do this. And then, so now I have to go into OR, get put under anesthesia just to have this IUD out. So... I just want it out, and mm-hmm. now I have mm-hmm. to fucking jump through hoops. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> and no one tells you how painful that is to remove that no. when you're awake versus mm. asleep. Like, it's it's a painful thing. Yes. The doctor did state that it would be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Exactly. Was it a male doctor? <laughs> no, she's female. <laughs> oh. That's just my journey. Like, I wish... Like you said, there were people that I could have talked to or who I knew to talk to before researching everything. And now at this point, I don't want any birth control. None. I I don't want any um, pill or the depot or definitely not another IUD. Like, I just want to do natural, track my own body Mm -hmm. and... I never knew that was an option. Nobody talks about how safe you can do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, that's what I do. Like, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Like if you know yes. your body. Yes. And I never knew women are able to track their bodies and know their cycle to not get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like from as soon as you get your period as a young child, you're taught birth control, birth control, birth control, to not get pregnant. You're never taught otherwise. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, I remember when my daughter got her boyfriend, my father and my brother, their first advice to her about her boyfriend, don't get pregnant. That's the first thing they said, or don't get pregnant. You know, and I just thought that that was, like, so interesting. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, you're in a relationship, don't get pregnant by him. And I think that there's a real thing inside men that know, right? That they're going to be careless with you. They're going to tell you that they pulled out. They're going to tell you they put the condom on. They're going to tell you everything. It ain't they been sitting in my can, pocket you know, for right? years. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, so it's like, they're, you know, it's like, it's kind of interesting when you get to see men lean in. Because that wasn't my growing up experience. But to see her have an experience where men are leaning in and saying, you know, yeah, don't get pregnant. But I'm like, do you say that to the boys when mm-hmm. they get a girlfriend? Do you say, hey, don't don't knock her up, right? Or like some, you know what I mean? Some kind of like random, you know, 
comment like that. And so it's the pressure is always on the woman to not get it's pregnant, our fault. right? It's our fault. And you got to get on all the medications, have all the doctor's appointments, all the screaming, you know, and it's just like, it, it, it almost just feels like, you know, like there's no, it's systematically where like there's no way out of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know, like, I, what do you guys think about, like, <clears throat> like, the, you know, like, men leaning in, like, in your experience when men have leaned into your sexual health, like, did it help? Did it felt like there was a real gap? Well, first, I was going to say we need to normalize masturbation and bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, so... With my personal experiences, uh, I never had no conversations. I had to figure shit out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did bring it up to family members, it was a joke. And it was, ew, and it was, you know, whatever, right? And um, so, and then I had my first one and by myself. I got pregnant by myself and I did it all by myself. No. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, right? Like, you do, do you leave it in and then what? See you later? Is, is that, that's what we're, the society we live in, right? Like, that's supposed to be normal and what? High-fived? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, there's got to come a point in time when everybody's held accountable. And it's not just put on that female. There's got to be there's got to be some kind of accountability on the other side's part too. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So <clears throat> when I think about um when I think about from my own personal experiences and 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 they have it, it's always make sure you're on the pill. Do you have a condom? Fucker, it's your dick. Why ain't you got a condom? <laughs> you know. So I don't know. I, I've, after I had my first couple of kids and I started to feel, holy crap, I had children, feel the power within my own self. And I started to uh, embrace who I was, my sexuality and all of the things, right? Then I was like, this is normal, right? But it's not, right? Women don't, don't, aren't open with themselves, let alone with their partners, and so I just wanted to open that up more, to have these discussions more, to normalize it, to bring it to light so that she can sit across the table and talk to somebody and she doesn't feel alone mm-hmm. in all of the things female. Yeah, and as women, we can be very vicious towards one another. You know, we're very vicious, violent, like very violent with each other. You know, I think actually a lot of the, a lot of shame can actually come from our own, mm-hmm. you know, women calling each other, you know, we call each other cunts and we tell, call each other, you know, and all these other things. And <clears throat> so it's, I think it's like also like that ad- adaptation that we've also weaponized our sexuality towards each other. Right. And so like, right. So we're, when we're talking about stigma, sig- stigmatizing sexuality, right. And when a woman shows up with her sexuality, a lot of women will jump on her and beat her down, right? And be like, no, we don't want you to be sexually powerful, you know? And I think that, you know, oftentimes that is like probably, I think, more of worrying about what other people are going to think stops us more from doing what we need to do. <laughs> All the time. And then Fear. Yeah, and if you don't have nobody in your corner, like, chirping at you, like, you know, don't pick that up. That's not yours. You know, you are powerful. Don't, you know what I mean? That's somebody else's perception of the world. That doesn't have to be yours, you know, and to distinguish like that, well, instead of picking up the behavior to defend yourself, you can just leave that person with that behavior and say, that that's not mine. That's not what I'm about. And if that's what you feel like, you know, you're doing, then that's on you, but I'm not about all that. You know what I mean? And I think like we're growing in that, you know, I've been vicious towards women. I've fought with women. I've been violent. I've called them down. I've done all that. And you know what? You get to the point when you're just like, that's horrible. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be shitty. I don't want to call nobody. I don't want to feel like I'm I'm better than somebody in order to like, feel like I've won or I'm all this and that. So I think part of that ego that plays into, you know what I mean, women and their relationships and how they're communicating with one another. Because like, 
You know, like I, I can tell you, I've had some not so great, you know, relationships with women and my relationships and, and that played a huge factor into how I handled my next relationship and who I told what to and who I shared what with, because there wasn't that line of trust and there wasn't that line of safety and there wasn't what I thought was there. And so then, you know what I mean? You're trying to reel back from that. So I can see where a lot of people get harmed so many times by that, where they just like, it just seems pointless, you know? But like for me, you know, I just try to, I I don't like being stuck, especially with myself. And so to unstuck myself, I had to go out there and practice and be vulnerable with women and talk about my relationship and, you know, be a little bit more open instead of feeling like, you know, I can't trust women either, you know, and and I think like that was a real thing for me and my experience, but you can grow past that and you can have hardships with people and you can meet back up in life and be like, you know what, I'm a lot older than I was then and I'm mm-hmm. not even carrying none of that and good for you and, you know, keep it moving and I'm glad you're doing all right and and that's possible but nobody ever tells us that that's possible it's like you know just stay mad avoid each other for the rest of your lives and and carry it mm-hmm. you know and we're like no i don't want to mm-hmm. i don't want to do that it makes mm-hmm. me sick makes me not feel good i don't want to i'm trying wanna... to lose weight yeah you know, <laughs> and, and then you get into power right you mm-hmm. get into power and like having your own personal power and i think that that's like good because we never hear that narrative of reconciliation. We never hear of that narrative of making amends or challenging, you know, a lot of that. And I think like this circle right here is a beautiful reflection of women coming from different backgrounds, experience, but still having a collective passion, right, to to make change, to be the transition, to be what we needed. Mm-hmm. We have become what we needed. And that's a very powerful thing that you're absolutely right Sarah our grandmothers and mothers did not get to feel to the extent that we get to feel it today and and thankfully right we're just carrying in um that that fortitude and their and the homage oh and I wanted to say we really need to give a big round and cheerful applause to our midwives they are cultivating they are building in capacity like I truly feel like women's intuitive ability to meet the need of the people and their families is huge because the way I've seen midwifery like flare right up in my own perspective has been like, this is beautiful. I love when I can call Jessica Danforth and say, hey, babe, like this is what I got going on. And she's got me try this. There's a tea for that. Here's, you know, this medicine. And I'm like, thank you so much. I don't need a medical card for that. I don't need it's it's that's my girl. Right. And so I like that women are now investing their time in those areas because they know the need is real and they've made themselves responsible to meet the need. And I think as long as we can get women to cultivate themselves, to keep meeting the needs of the people and the community and themselves, because we're also doing this, we're not exempt from the people that we're trying to save, right? This is also about us healing ourselves and our experiences and then you know, just making a, a, a collective um, conversation about it, which is beautiful. You know, that's so beautiful. This is beautiful. And we'll, we'll all leave here and feel good about it because we all connected and we all talked about something that doesn't happen. And so here we are, like, rewriting the history for our girls and say, nope, you know, Yuri Stas got you. You know what I mean? We buckled down all our girls, all our sons, and we said, nope, we're going to we're going we're gonna to have a, a healthier fire and we're going to get you close to the fire so you can feel the warmth of that. You can remember what you're made from. You can remember that you're 98 point something degrees for a reason. And I think that's the memory of freedom. People don't remember what it's like to be free. Hmm. And that's a very real thing because we're not, we're not um, inceptualized in all of that. We're, from the get-go, we're controlled. Right. As children sit down, be quiet. Don't say none. Don't touch nothing. Mm-hmm. All this and that. And you're like, I can't even be. And we tell them that till they're 18 and then expect them to go out into the world and have free flowing thought and have an opinion. And they're like, why? Mm-hmm. Nobody ever asked me for it. I could give you my opinion. You're not going to listen. And kids across the world are screaming right now. The adults aren't listening. We're screaming about the earth and the water. And they're just worried about making more money and driving a better car. And you know what I mean? Just It's all about capitalism. 
And so my thinking is, is like we've been taught to not look at our children, but to look at our children through a monetary lens. Look at your your children through money. Don't look at your children through like that relationship, right? So the first thing we think is, well, I have to provide them with this or they need the best of that or we got it. You know what I mean? And they, and it misses the total point with kids and their relationships. They're like, I don't even want all that. I really don't. I just want you to pay attention to me. I just want you to tell me the truth. I just want you to not prioritize other people's pain. That's what I say to my kids, right? Like I've prioritized other people's pain than yours and I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, you just seen me running out. And then when I get home, I'm depleted. I have nothing left. I can't even hear how your day went because I'm full of, right, trauma on a, on a scale that I don't even know what to do with it half the time. And I come home and, you know, and I try to, like, pick myself back up and, and do it like that. So I think, like, the conversation with mothers and children and our vaginas and our environments and our men is just inclusive, and we've always been inclusive because we're running households. And all of us know to include the family because when your whole entire family is included, that's the medicine everybody's really looking for. I want my family. Everybody wants their family back. Yo. I don't even know if this is about vaginas anymore, but we're, we're going to keep circling back to that. <laughs> and then uh, what's the what's the Ganya Geha word for vagina? Do you guys know? S Girls? Women? Ladies? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Skajisa or Skaji? 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 I like it. Isn't it like beaver fur or something? <laughs> <laughs> is that what that means? Mm, I think it it's slippery. Oh, that, I thought somebody said it means split canoe. <laughs> I heard that too. Yeah. Right. Because they were too uncomfortable to say it what it really means. <laughs> I like the split canoe way better. <laughs> split canoe. 